Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Movies in Focus podcast. I'm Niall Brown. Manifest West is a coming-of-age survival drama starring Milo Gibson, Annette Mahandrew, and Lexi Colker, a film about a family ditching civilization and seeking a new life in the American wilderness. Manifest West is an incredibly timely movie which looks at family values, the broken economy, and the search for a better way of life. The film's writer-directors, Joe Deitch and Louis Gibson, joined the Movies in Focus podcast to talk about how the film came to be and the struggles of making such a close-knit drama. Louis Gibson, the son of actor Mel Gibson, also talked about what it was like making the film, which stars his wife Annette and his brother Milo in the lead roles. As always, I hope you enjoy what we had to talk about. How's it going? It's going well. Well, thank you guys for joining me today. Yeah, yeah thank you. And uh, I really, really enjoyed the movie. I thought it's a very fitting film for the, the, the times we're living in. Um, how did it come about? Uh, we had started, we've been kicking around a couple of projects. This was one that definitely had just sort of caught our interest as something that that felt sort of right to us at the time. I think we'd started writing it, honestly, before a lot of the things that happened in the world that kind of made it relevant had happened. I think we started writing it in 2019 and actually had shot it then into the whole pandemic when a lot of people were dealing with, you know, the issues of isolation and moving away from society and stuff like that. So I think it it sort of took on a different meaning kind of as we actually worked through the uh, production of the film. And as two writers, did you write, I mean, obviously technology is a great thing as, as we're proving at the minute, but did you write together? Did you write separately? How did the, the script sort of come about? We usually sit, someone will come with an idea, then we'll usually sit, we'll usually outline together because that's kind of easier. And then once the writing process starts and we have a good idea of a roadmap, we'll just bounce scenes back and forth. We'll have folders and we just kind of send each other versions. And what about the directing? How do you split that up when you're on set? We flip a coin on the day. <laughs> that, you know, I think that on on set, I think we try to, like when you, when there's two directors on a set, really like the worst thing you can do is contradict each other. So I think it's really about doing your pre-production and going into the film kind of knowing that you're on the same page yeah. and having having the confidence that if, Louis out of a room or vice versa that if an actor asks a question we're going to have a similar answer because mm-hmm. you, you just lose control of that set so quickly if we're providing mm-hmm. different answers uh, to different people even if even if they're on things that are kind of irrelevant to the larger film uh, you spin out pretty quickly if you're not really on the same page going into it it's the yes and yes and yeah yeah, yeah right. you, you can't contradict I guess yeah and I mean, Louis, for you, you're directing your brother and your wife. Um, how, yeah. how, does, how does that dynamic work, especially, you know, from a professional perspective? Everyone was very professional on set. So we didn't have to deal with any kind of um, shenanigans. Everything was great. Yeah. I mean, we had wanted, Joe and I had wanted to work with Annette on a project and Milo on a project, actually, and they didn't work out. So we kind of had them in our minds for when we wrote this and then it just worked out and they were so hands-on and great and came up and were team players. So it, it actually, uh, it was a, a good nurturing uh, 
free environment. It, it felt really good. <clears throat> and I can imagine from a almost a rehearsal period or as an actor director dynamic, it must be really good sort of having that shorthand already for, for you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, and Joe and I have been working together for like a decade, so he knows both of them really mm -hmm. well, too. So we all just kind of trusted each other. Um, and, you know, they would have questions and yeah, it would be a thing where we get a text or a phone call and uh, we were able to work through things. So, you know, as far as developing the characters and fleshing things out, I, it was helpful for them, I guess I would say, because they were really able to feel confident and comfortable to ask us questions. A lot of times it's just asking questions, you know, and, you know, they raised some things to us where we're like, oh, that's a good idea. So, you know, it's collaborative. <clears throat> And you have an exceptional young cast in the film. How, how did you, you cast the, those actors? I mean, I think going into it, we knew that the that Lexi Colker, who plays the you know Riley, who's the lead character, and and Madison, who plays her her sister in the film. I think going into it, obviously, you're making a movie that heavily focuses on kids. I think Lexi's more or less in every scene of the movie. So if that performance doesn't work, uh, you're in trouble. So I think that going into it we knew that was really important and we got out to just casting agencies in LA and uh had been connected to her her agency and they said you know you there's someone who would be ideal for this role and we'd met her and she was ideal and I think we've sort of learned over the years if something works don't second guess it uh so we just sort of moved ahead with her without even having to do a larger casting process you know <laughs> or pulling in thousands of people we sort of just met her and said she fits our idea of this character. She seems great. She is great. Um, so we just kind of went ahead with that. Yeah, we were so fortunate with the kids, just to add to it. That, um, you know, we had seen Lexi in a movie called Freaks, where she was also kind of the lead in that, running around. And there were a few scenes in it that we watched and we're like, okay. You know, she was seven, I think, when she did that, or six. So she was really young. And then um, Madison Friedman, who plays Mary, is actually their good family friend. So they had this dynamic already and she was so silly and goofy. She would just kind of, she was just kind of this precocious kid, which is who she is in the movie. Um, so there was just a really fun dynamic there. And then the next door neighbors uh, kid, uh, Lana is played by Ava Colker. And that actually happens to be Lexi's sister in real life. And she's a, you know, um, a well-known actress. So that, you know, we, we got pretty fortunate and, uh, so I guess all in all, it was kind of two family groups. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, the entire crew is basically our friends and people who we'd worked on previous films with. So, you know, the idea of the movie being about this family kind of going up into the mountains and trying to be self-sufficient was really reflected in the actual production because it was basically friends and family <laughs> up on a mountain trying to be self-sufficient. You know, it was right. I think we were one of the first if not the first movie to shoot out of the pandemic um, yeah. to sag at least so um you know we were sort of in a way kind of living the same journey that the family does in the film just through trying to make make the movie and obviously sort of you said it was just after the pandemic and you're you're an independent film what sort of challenges did that throw at you and how did you overcome this just dealing with the unions really of just like making sure we were set to go because it was kind of a the landscape at that point as joe was saying you know nothing was shooting so it was figuring out can we go do this you know we had already been approved so we were ready to go and there was 
stuff going on. So, I mean, other than that, we did a lot of prep. So I think we felt pretty good. And, you know, you saw the movie, so it's pretty contained. Yeah. We had one set of property and we kind of sh used that property as much as we could and made it feel bigger, um, you know, and we're in a house a lot. So, uh, you know, as far as challenges, I don't really recall any. You know, I'll, I'll say at least, you know, for Los Angeles at the time had actually been doing a pretty real lockdown for six to eight weeks, I would say, going into when we shot. So it's really the one time we could have actually gone and shot a movie where everyone really had been quarantining. Um, so, you know, I, th I think the challenge probably more for movies was were sets where everyone was living in a city and coming and going from that set every day. I think probably had more more challenges at, at that time with the regulations because once once we were up in the mountains we were kind of just there and then we were effectively quarantined again so we just didn't really have any issues with it. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed about it, which it reminds me of an old movie, The Mosquito Coast, sure. Of yeah. the and there's a lot of sort of I personally from how I saw Terrence Malick influence. What 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 are your influences as filmmakers and? Are those influences on the film? I think so. I mean, I would say for me, I think pretty broad ranging influences. The Mosquito Coast, definitely. Like I'm a huge, you know, Apocalypse Now fan. Yeah. And stuff where you know you get those sort of lingering lyrical scenes, which is also totally Malik. Uh big like Sam Peckinpah fan, like 70s westerns. I mean, I think the movie has a lot of Western qualities to it. So I think you're seeing a lot of that there. Mm -hmm. No, and and that's one of the things that's sort of is the final line in the film. She she talks about the family being pioneers, so it really is, you know. And obviously the the title sort of references that it is it is a western, and they are pioneers. It's just that they're sort of they're facing they're facing the establishment as as such in the the current the current day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. it's people trying to sort of live out a a western fantasy in the modern era and finding out that it's not maybe possible anymore. Mm -hmm. And what's sort of next for you guys? Obviously you, you've made this, um, it, it's won awards. Um, are you writing together? Are you planning to direct? What's what's on the, the horizon? We have a project that is looking to go next, hopefully early next year that um, hasn't been announced yet. So I don't know if we can say anything about it, but um, we have that and you know we're always working on we we have a couple of the projects that are getting pushed out that we've written yeah, so you gotta keep writing gotta keep pushing stuff <laughs> out there because you know reality of the film business is that most of it doesn't happen or takes years longer than you expect so you always got to have multiple ideas and then you know things that are exciting to you that you're you're moving forward because stuff you know moves forward an inch and then it sits and then you got to work on something else and come back so we just we always have sort of a portfolio of projects that are in in some stage of of something you know and hopefully we'll be a movie one day and the, the sort of the, the face of movies has, has changed over the last couple of years in particular and i mean obviously you guys i presume the next one's also in the the independent realm what's it like as filmmakers sort of trying to navigate the the changes that are happening at the minute i mean i think sorry louis you're saying no no go for it i mean i think that for us, like you have to, like, I think making the movie itself probably isn't that different. You know, you, you, you're just trying to make a good product and put it out there and then hope that people connect to it and, and, you know, find it 
worth their time. Um, so that aspect of it, you know, I don't, I don't know is different. I think that obviously you're, you're building, you're building movies for an audience who is more likely to be watching it on VOD. And I think from a storytelling perspective, especially when you're in the edit, there are certain considerations you have to take there. Or, you know, especially with a movie like Manifest West, that's sort of a, it's a fairly slow burn intentionally. Um, I think, you you know, a movie like that, if someone's chosen to go to a theater and sit in a theater and watch that movie, they're committing that 90 minutes to that experience and to being told that story. But if you're accepting that a lot of the audience is going to be watching it on VOD, then you're saying, okay, well, people, you know, may have paid for a rental, they may be streaming it, but they're sitting on their couch at home with all the distractions that come with that. So I think once you're into the movie, you know, it's less of a thing, but it's really that first like 10 minutes, you have to, you have to carefully consider how to get someone's attention and sort of bring them into the story, maybe in a different way than you would have uh, if people were watching it in a traditional uh, theatrical environment. And is that something you think of when you're writing the script or do you think of it when you're in the editing or do you then go back and sort of amend things whilst you're you're sort of doing the edit? I think it's all a mixture, you know, from square one, you want to try to, we always, because, you know, we wrote this, shot it, then cut it. We are always writing it, thinking and, and shooting it, thinking about how is that going to live in the edit? But sometimes it's avoidable. You run into things, you go, oh, that doesn't work. Let's, uh, you know, let's fix this. And, you know, you can fix a lot of things in an edit if you need to. We didn't have much of that on this. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's always good to think if you can plan ahead. And since we kind of, created it from A to Z, uh, we have the ability to do that, then you can, but there's always things that um, get in the way that, you know, unforeseen things that you don't realize are coming, so. And as sort of filmmakers yourselves, do, obviously things have sort of gone sort of to the extreme with big blockbusters. Do you see yourselves continually working in more character-driven work? Think there's a balance you know i think it'd be fun to go do a blockbuster but not having done one and i'm not really sure what the you know i can't speak to exactly what the the different challenges there would be i think on some levels of filmmaker you're always like oh yeah if someone wants to throw you a hundred million dollars you're gonna take it um, mm -hmm. go make something cool but i think that the best blockbusters like the blockbusters i like from from growing up were movies that were that big tentpole experience, but then still also had humor and characters. Mm -hmm. And you know, you watch like Die Hard or something like that. You're like, oh, this is this is great characters. Still, like it's a lot of those like in sensibilities that people bring to like an independent film. Now, I think we're we're present in in the blockbusters that I loved growing up. So, and and speaking of characters in Manifest West, one of the the things about the characters is there's sort of no black and white. Everybody's very much shades of gray. Um, how do you go about when you're you're looking for financing? Do people ask you to soften those characters or is it just people accept it as fizz value knowing that this is the movie that you want to make? It depends. I mean, it depends on the project. Obviously, if, you know, once you get more cooks in the kitchen, people have their ideas of what they want and that, you know, that's all fair. Uh, on this, we were fortunate enough on the financing that uh, the producers who came in really loved the project and they've said they, they understood, you know, what we were trying to do with it. So we didn't have to, they let us kind of go with our vision on it. 
So we didn't have to deal with that on this specifically, but we have had projects in the past where yes, you have to, you know, tailor it. Thank you very much for your time. Sure. Hey, thank you. And I, I honestly, I really loved the movie and I thought it had really sort of a, a good a good story and a brilliant character. So really well done. I appreciate it. Thank you so well, much. Well, yeah, glad you liked it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Movies in Focus podcast. You can download it wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope that you tell your friends about it. That's it for this time. And I'll see you at the movies.